welcome back to the Some Sort of Miracle podcast. I'm Ed and I'm joined today by Lauren. Hello. And by Luke. Hello everyone. And amazingly, this is our final episode of the series looking at the Salvation Army's mission priorities and we'll be discussing how we seek justice and reconciliation. And also, this is our 60th episode, which Woo-hoo. is pretty cool. Woo! <laughs> uh, yeah, so th- yeah, the topic is Seek Justice and Reconciliation. And we thought this would be an aptly timed episode, actually, because um, Luke and I, we haven't spoken about this on the podcast yet, but we are both going into the Salvation Army's training college in London um, in September, uh, or moving down at the end of August to train to become Salvation Army officers. Um, and I'm going alongside my wife and Luke is going alongside uh, his fiance Rachel. And actually, uh, Lizzie Kitchenside, who was on the episode uh, last time, is going in, in September as well, which has been the link there. Uh, but yeah, it, uh, the sessional title, so that the name for the group of people going in in that year is the Defenders of Justice, uh, which is a really cool title. I'm pretty happy with it. Um, my, my my real question is, if if you are the defenders of justice, are you going to have a costume? Well, that is what we are being asked every time someone hears the name now. Um, it, it's uh, Every post I've seen actually on Facebook, someone going into the session has said, now to go get my costume or something along those lines. Um, yeah, it's a good question. Luke, have you uh, figured that one out? Um, so, my, so my head went in two ways. Um, my first was I'd love a cape, um, yep. but then I had um, this Edna Mode go knockips, knockips, and I, I just thought that was like I was like hmm, a cape, but then all the other, all the other avenues that could cause problems. Mm. Um, I don't know anything about a specific costume, but I just I think something like Iron Man's suit would be really really cool, yeah, but with then specific functions because I don't think I need an arc reactor like in my chest. I'm not sure how that would accomplish anything productive apart from destroying things, which isn't very um, in line with reconciliation if you're destroying things. Um, but yeah, yeah, just just the technology in that suit would be quite cool to play around with. So that's where I think I, I sit with it in terms of my costume, I think. It's interesting that... Um... It's not called the Justice and Reconciliation League, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> maybe that picks up on some themes that we're going to discuss later. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Immediately when I uh, was thinking about this, I thought, okay, Batman and Superman are the biggies. And I think I went DC rather than Marvel because of Justice, Justice League. And, you know, maybe that's a nerdy thing to consider at this point. But um, I don't know. Batman's really cool, isn't he? I like that. I, I would say he's a normal guy, but he's not. He's a billionaire. Um, so that discounts him from being normal, in my opinion. Uh, but it's a cool costume. What, what about you, Lauren? What would you go for? Um, just to clarify, I'm not going into the training college. <laughs> um, but, oh, I don't know. I just, I'm just excited for you guys because I feel like you guys could be the session that revamps the uniform based on the, the, the superhero theme. And I'm quite excited by it. Wow. Um, that's yeah, an even better yeah. icebreaker. How would you change the Salvation Army uniform to be more superhero-y? Yeah. That, in fact, let's do that as an icebreaker. <laughs> okay. Go on then. How go on then, Luke? How would you change the Salvation Army uniform to make us more superhero-like? I think capes. Yeah. Like I'd, I'd like capes. Um, I'd probably have a limited use of 
limited use of like spandex because I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can. Yeah, that's a good call there. L- limit the use of spandex just in case. Um, but capes and I think utility belts with stuff on them to help us accomplish our mission. Yeah, maybe more gadgets might be the way to go. I was thinking about masks, but I think that's also not something that you want to play around with too much because, you know, I think it's good for people to get to know you when you're an officer or a minister of some kind rather than uh, just know who who the secret identity, not secret identity, the public identity is. Um, Yeah, gadgets I think would be cool. I'm on board for capes, definitely. Maybe some big boots. I don't know. I think powers as well. Like, if I had the power to, like, snap my fingers and then, like, all the risk assessments were done, <laughs> I, I, that, that that would transform the life of the Salvation Army. <laughs> snap! And all the risk assessments are done. The paperwork is all filed away nicely. Oh, dear. That would, I think that would be transformative. We're very different people, Luke. I think if I was given the option of getting a superpower... Again, risk assessments done would be at the bottom of my my agenda. <laughs> uh, what about you, Lauren? Um, I don't know. I was thinking of like the whole armor of God thing. I feel like we should just visibly display these things. Yeah, that's a lot more scriptural than our answers. Are. That's oh, I didn't mean it for it to be. It's just the automatic <laughs> thing that I think of because that's I'm a children's worker and okay, we make costumes out of newspaper and masking yep. bags and somehow make it scriptural well i think we'll have to workshop these ideas and uh, play around a bit and get it figured out (laughs) well i'm excited to see the transformation so i guess a good place to start would be to um think about the question what does the world teach us about justice and reconciliation like what is our understanding of justice and reconciliation yeah i think it the world doesn't teach those two as necessarily belonging together or being inherently linked does it and like when we talk about superheroes i know we're being silly but um we're taught that that's what justice looks like is there's a bad guy he does bad stuff and the good guys go and they beat him up or they kill him and he gets a punishment for what he's done and that's justice i think from the world's point of view um justice can be very much like getting even yeah. Like, if someone's wronged you, you are perfectly within your rights to go and get even. Um, I remember when I was working in schools, um, the views of justice that some of the kids had was quite interesting. Um, so when they got into fights, and and obviously they they'd say they would they would they would explain themselves by saying. Well, so and so punched me, so I thought it was only right that I went and punched him. And it was like, okay, so where's this come from? Oh, dad told me to do it. Mm. It's like, right, excellent. Um, I think that is part of our problem in that the world teaches us that justice is getting even, justice is sort of, I guess, karma in a way, like do good things, good things will happen, do bad things, and bad things will happen. Um, which then can be, which then I guess in turn makes justice such a loaded word and a word that we don't particularly like to use or perhaps shy away from using because it's become so loaded. 
Yeah, and I, and I think about like all the like the people that have fought for justice for like a really long time, and and I've I've kind of like followed some of the the ones like in the news and stuff where like somebody's been killed and then they they've never they've never found justice for it or things like that. And I think when it's gone on for so long, I often wonder like when when you get this justice as you've seen it like this person's going to get a consequence or they're going to go to prison or whatever like are you actually going to be at peace and 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 I often yeah I was I often wondered the the weight that we put on the word justice in the world of oh well well, we we need justice and they they think that that's going to solve everything but actually the the to me it's not solved until you add that reconciliation onto the end of it Mm. um and I'm not saying that that means you have to turn around and say okay um justice and I'm just going to forgive you it's I know it's got to be a journey and a process but actually if, if we don't add that reconciliation onto the end what what good has that justice actually brought yeah I remember a um a Rob Bell podcast episode um that I listened to a few years ago and he spoke about what he described as the myth of redemptive violence and how when often when the world speaks about justice they're actually talking about this myth of a violence that redeems the situation and all that does is creates a sort of cycle that you are wronged and then you wrong the person that wronged you back and then they feel wrong so they wrong you back or or and there's just this cycle we get caught in of of violence towards each other whether it's physical or not and actually one thing that um yeah the, the the christian messages is or the christian faith offers is a way out of that myth mm-hmm. of a view of a justice that sits outside of that and that that's always stayed with me actually that yeah that, that sometimes our misdefinition our misunderstanding of justice can get us caught into a web get us caught into a cycle of violence and cycle of um petty vengeance at times um that that doesn't seek reconciliation and doesn't have that second half of the equation there um so yeah i think that's a a good point lauren i think i think this is well for me anyway it's certainly come to the fore with the whole um johnny depp amber heard case not going to get into the rights and wrongs and like who was the good guy and like who was a bad guy but just the way that you see people on social media saying oh it's justice for johnny it's justice for amber it's like and like i think that that situation um sounds a lot like it's not going to be a reconcilable one at the end of it like it, and i think everyone is so like there's a lot of everyone seems to be hooked on on, on sort of like which way the outcome's going to go and like like and sort of like what are the jury going to decide and um people will no doubt be talking for many, many months to come, whether the outcome when it comes out is just or isn't just. And I think it'll be, I think, and I think a lot of people are going to misunderstand actually what justice is. Um. Mm. So yeah, it, it's, it's interesting how it can get thrown at the spotlight and the way that we view it in the world's eyes has such a big impact upon the way that we then try and live it out. Yeah, I think you've picked on a really interesting there as well, that social media view, like skews our view of justice as well. Because it is... I, I was I'm going to try and get not to not get too nerdy here, but there's a, um, a book I've been reading that talks about machine learning 
and how that the, the algorithms that push in front of us on social media, what what they want to see, are um, are built on this platform of machine learning that relentlessly makes itself this program relentlessly makes itself better and evolves synthetically um, to become better and better and better at grabbing your attention and consuming all of your thoughts because that's what makes these big companies money. So these these programs are pushing content in front of you that is going to get you hooked and addicted, and the stuff that does that that it kind of this book describes it in as three three main things one is smiling faces the others is sexy bodies and the third is controversy and it's going to keep pushing those things at you because that is what the human brain is programmed to to enjoy to get addicted to 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 want to consume and that controversy thing then put polarizes us it pushes us to the edges it only shows us the most extreme views and then recruits us to one of them and it's con- constantly pushing us into this divided society that um, is screaming out for justice but what they mean by justice is they want the other side to be held to account and to be brought to their knees and, and brought low uh, and the other side is screaming at just at them for that as well so it, it kind of breeds this this hostility and this conflict this violence that is is the complete antithesis of justice really it doesn't it, it's it's just yeah totally uh, warped and and hollow and I think even when you you bring up the Johnny Depp and the Amber Heard case, I mean, reality is none of us outside that courtroom know the details. None of us are are equipped to make um, bold bold statements about it. And we may think we are because of the snippets we've seen on social media, but reality is big tech billionaires are just trying to get us riled up so that we'll fight each other online and make them more money. Um, and I, yeah, I think that's quite a scary thought when we talk about seeking justice and reconciliation. But isn't it interesting that that word justice actually, in the way that it's being used in the world, is actually just furthering destruction and division, yeah. which yeah. is the complete opposite of what justice is. And that's a really scary place to be, isn't it? That actually something that's supposed to restore and bring things back to how it should be and the difference between right and wrong is actually causing more destruction Mm. and more division and as a consequence more bad things I guess um but yeah it's a scary scary place to be but I guess like as churches as bodies of Christians we we end we can end up down a very similar path to that when we when we try to say that we are seeking justice actually we can kind of bulldoze ahead with seeking this justice that we think is absolutely right and kind of go off on our own agendas and actually we as a consequence then also develop more destruction more division and that's not how god would want it to be and i guess um when we're thinking about justice it's important to to think about the fact that we have to kind of be impartial to to seek justice and we talk like I've I've talked about this before but it's I struggle with that because I think well if you're seeking justice you can't be impartial you have to pick a side like get on with it but actually it's important to hold up both sides and actually sit in the middle and say okay I'm on literally on the fence and I'm gonna I'm gonna hold both sides of this and then and then seek justice in that way Hmm. Um, and you can't see me because it's a podcast but I'm waving my hands around like I'm a scale (laughs) um but yeah I think um it 
it's very easy even as churches to end up down that path of um thinking we're seeking justice but actually causing more division and, and more hurt So our second sort of train of thought was really based upon what does the Bible teach us about justice and also reconciliation. Um, when I was thinking about this earlier on today, um, I basically did a poll and and literally Googled it <laughs> because Google has the answers um, clearly. And I came across this interesting article that was written by Dr. Timothy Keller. And there are a couple of points that he makes that are really quite interesting. And he would argue that actually biblical justice isn't a set of bullet points, rules, and guidelines. Actually, biblical justice is actually rooting the very character of God. So it's his love and it's and it's his grace, it's his mercy, it's his generosity. And that is very much the embodiment of what is justice. And um, I just, I found it like so fascinating because that's such a, um, a contrast to the way that the world sees um, justice. I'm just fascinated as to how we've gone from having biblical justice that's so rooted in God's good character to being a justice that is... Um, blood and destruction and getting even um so yeah it's just one of those things that absolutely fascinated me and i'd love to know the answer but i probably won't anytime soon so i'll save it for heaven yeah i think when we talk about biblical justice it's really interesting as well because it is perfectly possible to form a concept of justice that is taken from the bible that does not look like a jesus-centered justice if you get what i mean you can take quotes about um sodom and gomorrah you can take quotes about um an eye for an eye or all sorts of stories in the bible that look like a person is uh, doing something wrong and he is just killed or you take that vengeance and that is justice and you can do that if you want to i think it ignores the larger narrative and it, it and it ignores a big part of god's character and who jesus is and what he came to say but you can do that and i think part of the problem we have with the bible is that it's so malleable if you want it to be you can bend it and you can strain it you can take whatever message you want to read into the bible there but there are there, there is a lot of great stuff in the bible of course and i think when we look at the the larger narratives and we look at the the character of jesus especially we see a, a, a strain of justice that is a lot more like what you described there luke and immediately i was thinking about the story in um one kings three where um, two mothers are living in the same house. Each mother has an infant son. And uh, they come to uh, King Solomon because one of the babies has been smothered and has died. And both um, mothers claim that the, the one remaining child is theirs. And uh, the king says, OK, bring me my sword. What we're going to do is we're going to chop this baby in half. And then both mothers can have half the baby. And uh, one of the mothers says, yeah, decent. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, uh, go for it. And the other mum goes, whoa, whoa, you're crazy. Don't do that. Just give her the baby. I, I'd rather that he was alive than, um, than have my half or have my share. 
And the king says, well, she's clearly the true mother. Give her the baby and we'll hear no more of it. And I think that's an interesting view of justice because it's it's love-centred, isn't it? Uh, out of love for the child and that wanting to restore a relationship between the mother and a child and for, to cause no more harm. And I think if you were to... Uh, sometimes, I guess, if you, if you want to uh, appear completely impartial and um, logical and reason-centred, you could lose that love element, couldn't you? Because the king there, Solomon, was impartial in that... He, he wanted to find out who, what, what was the truth of the matter. He wanted to see uh, where where the most loving solution was. But then he, he decided actually that the most loving thing is to give it to the mother that truly cared for the child. And the other mother wouldn't have been saying, oh, he was without bias and he was impartial after all of that. He probably, that the other mother would be saying something different because it, to, to those that are, are um brought to account in some sense in justice will not see it as uh, impartial will they they'll still see that they've been singled out but um yeah it has to be love-centered doesn't it and i guess that's the difference between what the world teaches us about justice and what the bible teaches us about justice in that it like everything that we're seeking for like this justice that we're seeking and this reconciliation is about restoring our right relationship with God like you talked about the right yeah. relationship between mother and baby like everything that we're seeking should be to restore the right relationship between humanity and God mm. um with God with others and with creation mm. um and I think it's it, it's easy to get sucked into that worldview because we get we have that little fire in our bellies don't we to, and we kind of run with it whereas actually it, it can be quite costly to to seek mm. justice that that like Luke says is is rooted in the nature of God because that that might go against our our worldly views mm. I love this idea of sort of reconciliation um making things whole is such a beautiful image um oh it will have been back at Christmas um I did a I was um, tasked with doing a Advent um, meeting, so I so I obviously did um, peace, and actually, um, I think this kind of fits quite nice into it. In that, when you think about the word shalom, obviously, which obviously the Hebrew word for peace, um, it is when you break it down, it actually talks about making making something that was broken whole again, and actually. Peace isn't just about saying, okay, we will now stop fighting. It's about how can we then come together to make something good out of this? Um, I think it's in Psalm that talks about how, um, how basically God in his great peace will basically turn swords into plowshares. Mm. And actually the idea that where there was once weapons of war used to kill people, these weapons will then be melted down and, and turned into tools to, to, to actually farm the land and actually to feed into this actually sustained life. And I think reconciliation, um, when we look at it in the biblical context and actually what I hope reconciliation looks like, well, can look like, is that it is that making things whole and it is repairing damage and um, just that very much of making sure that everything um, in the universe, individuals, communities, the whole cosmos really um, just comes into harmony 
with each other. And I just, I, I, I love this. I love this image. I love the idea of the, you know, thinking about heaven and just everyone being able to sit down together and, and actually being, I, I hope that, and I believe that heaven is a place where, 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 where we saw um, actually where we actually, where we will see true reconciliation, everyone being able to sit down together and, 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 and hopefully we don't have to wait till heavens for it, for, for it to come because I think we should uh, obviously as a church be striving for that to happen in the here and now, because I imagine the world would be a lot nicer place if we all tried to sit down with each other and try and make things hold again. Um, I think as, as, as human beings, we have a great capacity to, to, to break things and cause damage, but we're not often too good when it comes to trying to fix things. Um, so I think, yeah, the, the Bible's teaching on sort of reconciliation, I think it's certainly got a lot that it can teach us and a lot, and a, and a lot that it can tell us. Um, another Timothy Keller quote that I came across with that has really stuck with me is, is basically this one. We are a pilot plant that is the future kingdom of God, a place for the world to get a partial glimpse of, of what human, of what humanity um, is going to look like when we have Jesus, the just King ruling over everything. And I just love the idea that in the here and now um, we can be, um, we can be um, defenders of justice or we can be messages of um, reconciliation and um, both are salvation and recessional names. Um, but I think there's that, living reality that these are things that we should be working towards now and whilst they will come to perfection obviously in heaven there's no there's nothing wrong with trying to bring a little bit of that to the here and now so that's where i'm sort of sitting with it and i'm quite content yeah and i think sometimes we kind of gloss over what you've just talked about luke that about the reconciliation we think that it's quite a quick process and quite a a simple thing to just sort of get on with or we we think like oh well I've said sorry I've got forgiveness that's it but actually the journey of reconciliation and like the 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 timely and costly element of that mm. um and that it's it, we're gonna have to sit uncomfortably in those situations we're gonna have to put ourselves out there and I think as as Christians we can sometimes be too proud to do that and we kind of do it a little bit too superficially does that make sense mm. um like I read a, um, an article as we were preparing for this and um, they talked about the fact that reconciliation, um, yeah, it requires a consciousness of the past, the present and the future around a situation. Um, and I think sometimes we can, we can miss out the past and the future and we can just be like, well, this is how I'm feeling now, so let's fix it. Mm. Um, but actually for true reconciliation you have to acknowledge what's been what is and and how how we can move forward in the future as well um yeah. and i think that in order to get that reconciliation on earth that we've talked about we've, we've, we've got to be a little bit bolder and a little bit braver in in how we seek that reconciliation hmm. i think you you could use this sort of conversation around um justice not being revenge 
as a way to kind of remove consequence from actions if you wanted to. And it's not that at all, is it? Because justice does look like people being imprisoned for things they've done to protect society. It does look like people potentially losing jobs or, or hard things happening because there, there, there must be consequence for actions, right? There, there, there must be um, something that happens. But I, I guess it, it, it shouldn't just stop there as well. It, justice has that, that wider view, doesn't it? Like you say, it has that view of who's been hurt because actually with two people that say say i went up and punched lauren uh i don't know why i would never punch lauren. the first time whoa whoa you're spreading rumors about me lauren yeah <laughs> um but then obviously justice would be like me having to answer for why i've just punched my friend in the face i don't i didn't add the face but i've added that now um but <laughs> it would also um it would also look at okay what what has affected me like what has what's happened in my life that um has forced me that into a position or not forced me but has led me to a position where i've wanted to act out of character or to punch lauren what are the societal factors what are the personal factors what what does justice look like for the person that's caused the offense as well and what's uh, justice like for all the people that are in a similar position or how do we as a society prevent this from happening again and obviously that's quite a small scale thing that not that i would ever punch lauren in the face but um you can apply that to large large issues as well that there is just justice means more than just locking up the person that's committed a crime it it looks at what are the what are the factors that led them to there what what are the factors that have affected their mental state um as well as that um but, but that, yeah there has to be consequence alongside uh forgiveness alongside reconciliation alongside all, all this other stuff that we're talking about something that i found so powerful um during the time that i worked in schools was um rather than having a a sort of like action and consequence behavior policy they had something that was called restorative practice mm. which i found fascinating and brilliant and it's the first time i ever sort of came across it and the idea was that once something had happened and obviously you give it time to die down where possible sit the two individuals down or or, or, or or sit the two groups down and have a chat about it and they're actually able to unpack it and actually get to the bottom of something in a lot more meaningful way rather than just chucking like one group into detention and sending the other group to another room of to to another classroom to spend an isolation period in there it was very much a restorative um, a very much a healing practice mm. of actually let's open the conversation. Um, let's, let's not try and um, make sides here. Let's ha have a conversation and try and um, just talk things through. I think sometimes we are so quick to want an, a, a very immediate outcome of, okay, so I get what I deserve. So I get to make sure that the things that have been done wrong to me, um, they are punished for those things. And, 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 for, and have them both in hand, justice, I believe, can't be justice unless there is reconciliation. Mm. And, and it's very much, I think that's why people don't like reconciliation because reconciliation almost 
in the world's view, seems almost counterproductive because if you've got justice, why would you then want to reconcile with that person? Um, but I think when we do that, um, to take the old fishhook analogy, we actually remove the fishhook that is stuck to us and, and is actually causing us pain if we then are willing to have those conversations. But isn't it amazing that when we model that sort of justice and reconciliation um, to the to the world, to people who who don't know the gospel, that we are literally just sharing the gospel? Because if we like, if we're saying to people, look, Jesus came to restore our relationship with God, um, and to enable us to restore our relationship with each other and with creation, like that that's so powerful when we model it by seeking justice, but then seeking that reconciliation that Jesus came to bring to, to reconcile us to God, to bring everything back to mm. how it was supposed to be. Um, and I think there's something really powerful in that because that, that is like the whole point of like be in the world, but don't be of the world. Yeah. Um, and actually we, we have to be continuously modeling that reconciliation. And so, like, I've seen it so many times, like we're not very good at, even doing that within our churches among mm. ourselves like and and actually how powerful would that restorative practice that you've just talked about Luke how powerful would that be in our churches like mm. if if we could just model healthy conversations and healthy relationships um yeah. to to kind of model that reconciliation that that Jesus came to to give us yeah, and it, it is so central to the gospel, isn't it? This this model of justice and reconciliation, and even when we look at the cross, this symbol of Christianity, uh, um, that that's the story laid out in the cross, isn't it? Of of offering this third way, non-violent way out of this cycle of redemptive violence that I spoke about earlier. That actually, that that there is a path that we can take that is really hard at times. And it, it doesn't line up with what the world teaches us to want and doesn't necessarily line up with what the world defines justice as. But actually, it brings about restoration. It brings about re reconciliation. It brings people together. Um, and, you know, it does take a bit of humility and it does take us having to surrender, I guess, that that want for revenge or want for want to see the other person pay um, for what they've done. Um, yeah, it does. It does change that. Um, that that view e even if you know we still acknowledge that there has to be consequence to protect people in scenarios but yeah i i think that it you're right it is so central to the gospel and it's so central to who we are as christians it's not something that we can we can overlook or, or miss out and it and it's having change in that worldly perspective of that i've been wronged and flipping it to an eternal perspective of that this is all about restoring yeah all about restoration this is all about why jesus came this is all about the bigger picture the bigger plan and actually i've got to get on board with this as a christian as yeah. one of christ's ambassadors and actually it's not it's not an option mm. like we the salvation army have identified it as a mission priority like the, it's it's not an option like yeah. you we have to seek justice and reconciliation because that is part that is god's mission on earth isn't it to restore yeah and I, I can't think of many better ways that we could participate in God establishing his kingdom here on earth 
as living this out actually because I, I just I wonder what even like my life would have been like if throughout my life I really really committed to this in every conflict and every um every decision every conversation even that actually we had reconciliation we had justice at the heart of it that we want to yeah re- reconcile all things to God or be part of that process or uh, just yeah really try and live this out I feel like we would see huge changes in our lives would see huge changes in our church and our society and yeah I, I really believe that that is going to be a central part of how we see God's kingdom well rolling out as already <laughs> yeah I agree So that is just about all we have time for for this episode. Um, thank you so much for joining us. I've really enjoyed this conversation and yeah, I'm feeling quite challenged around this uh, topic of how we seek justice and reconciliation and actually not conforming to that that perception of justice that the world potentially tries to push on us through Marvel films and and the like that we are going to just punch the bad guy in the face and that'll be that. But actually looking for reconciliation in all that we do. Um interestingly we we had another question that we've we've run out of time but i'd really be interested to hear your thoughts on this and that is how do we as a church seek justice and reconciliation and this has been an interesting one i think for many uh many places now that we're kind of thinking about these mission priorities more what in our day-to-day what in our weekly schedule seeks justice and reconciliation uh i think that is there but i'd be interested to hear in your churches in your faith communities in your daily walk how how do you seek justice and reconciliation? Um, I think that'd be really interesting to hear. Uh, so if you want to engage in that conversation, uh, feel free to message us if you find us on Facebook or Twitter. But uh, we're going to be holding that conversation in a wider uh, community in our Some Sort of Miracle listener group. And you can find that by going onto Facebook and searching SSOM listener group. And we'd love to carry on the conversation there. But until next time, goodbye. Bye. 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 Thank you.